To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three And if the pins ain't from them Don't bring them to me Cause I go off like a rocket launcher Man, I just hate the beat I'm a real monster I can hear the crowd chanting MVP That's my mantra Here's a standing on For the opinionated bench warmers Welcome to the Opinionated Bench Warmers Podcast, episode 60. We appreciate you for listening to us. I got my brother Los with me as always. We're here to do another one. What's up, brother? How you doing? Doing good, man. As always, listeners, thank you for rocking with us. You know, our last episode was a smash hit. You know, I'm looking forward to episode 60. It's a big episode for six zero sixty. Smash hit like on top of Billboard 100, huh? I don't know, man. You 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 said it, so you know. Speaking speaking into existence. Yeah, it was a good episode. Actually, one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done. So that says a lot because we got a catalog right now, Los. We got we working on a catalog here, but I think that that's one of the best ones that we've done in a while, and we just got to keep that momentum going. We got something special for the people today. We got a special guest coming on later in the episode. So just like last episode, we gonna get through these topics and then. We'll introduce our guest today, which I think is a is a is a hit, man. I think they're gonna enjoy this one. Yeah, I mean, we we have a lot of our hometown. You know, a lot of our listeners come from our hometown of Louisiana, and so you know, I think this listener. Uh, I'm sorry, I guess I, I think this guest coming on will be you know something that will interest you know the majority of our listeners. For sure, for sure, man. Baton Rouge native, man. Baton Rouge, he did a. You know, he put the, he was a part of a team that really brought up the morale of the city at the time when uh, LSU basketball. I'm giving away hints, so I'm about to stop talking about it before I give it away. <laughs> at a time when LSU basketball wasn't really spoken about, it's all uh, always has, and some people think it'll always be about football. But at this point, it may have been a turning point in the program. So we'll get him on to I guess discuss that a little bit. But yes, sir, we back. We took a week off and we back. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there taking care of their business out there and handling their business with their kids. Uh, we, You are greatly appreciated. I know my brother Los, happy early Father's Day to you. Um, you know, you. I know that you, you know, tomorrow I know that the lady's going to take care of you and make sure that you appreciate it. Oh, yeah, man. I, I, definitely, man. It's just one of those days where, you know, you just got to sit back and reflect on, you know, I, just being being blessed enough to be here, you know, like, a lot of fathers, you know, didn't get to this point right now. So it's just a blessing, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, just I'm, I'm, I'm going to enjoy it tomorrow. Well, and then we one day removed from Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth to all the people out there. Uh, I think that now more than ever, I think that yesterday meant so much more than it has in the past. 
just because it seems like we're starting to turn a new leaf and come together. And ironically, like I continue to say, sports in the world is synonymous. You can't talk about one without the other. So let's go ahead and jump into it. We announced a couple weeks ago that the NBA had announced that they're going to start back and um, at the end of July, on July 31st, now there's been reports coming out that some players are disgruntled and, you know, especially with the killings of George Floyd, feel as though that the NBA starting up would be a distraction. Uh, mainly the proponents of that uh, are some big names. Uh, but, you know, of course, Kyrie's a superstar. So, of course, if he's sharing these sentiments, then he will be the front person to represent this type of thinking or this movement. But there have been other players that spoke on it. Um, what's the guy's name uh, from uh, the Clippers who play good defense but don't do Patrick much else? Beverly. Yeah, Patrick Beverly also shared that sentiment and said that he felt like the season restarting was a distraction. Now, we'll talk about this a little later in the interview or with our guests, but, you know, let's just share our thoughts for right now because we're on a time limit on that interview. So we just got to, we could, we could talk as long as we want here. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's interesting. It's really intriguing, you know, because you, you, you obviously have two sides of it, uh, you know, and I can only give my personal thoughts on it uh, and my thoughts or, you know, again, we just go back a little bit here. Um, the season actually now is moved up a day. It's July 30th is what they changed it to. So we, we might even get basketball even sooner here. Um, but my thoughts on the whole Kyrie situation and taking, uh, you know, pretty much Kyrie doesn't want to take light off, don't want the basketball season starting back being a distraction. I get what he's saying, and, you know, I support what he's saying as a black man in America. But at the same time, I think that's one of the biggest stages where you can use your platform to, um, you know, further spread the word, you know. And at the same time, you don't want these players to not play because, again, a lot of these players aren't set like Kyrie is set as far as financially. You know, I can never see myself telling another man that, hey, let's stand and not make money to support my family. So think about it in that bigger scope. It's like, you know, I get the reason what he's doing. You know, he don't want to be a distraction. But... In my opinion, I feel like he's being more of a distraction and causing more divide amongst the players. And he's telling another man not to make his money, which that's his way of making money. That's their job. So I don't get that aspect of it, you know, and I don't think we'll get anything out of it by them not playing. Well, here's the thing. I mean, when you look at Kyrie and the way that his thought process, you know, just in the past, I mean, an example you know, in recent in recent years, I don't know exactly how long ago it was. Maybe you could correct me here, but it was when he was gyrating around saying that the world is flat. And you know, I think some time after he said that he was joking, but for the longest, you know, he stood strong in saying that. Now, whether he was joking or not, it's difficult to prove, and I'm I'm not trying to prove it, but it tells me a lot of things about him. You know, and that he's a free thinker and he likes to think things uh, in a different way. Uh, he's welcome to his own opinion. But me personally, I feel as though, like you said, his earnings are far more superior than his peers, simply put. And not only is he stopping those guys from making their money by saying that he doesn't want to start back up, but I, th I think that if you were to play, 
why don't you take that money and reinvest into some communities, some black communities? Or why don't you take that money and reinvest it into some organizations that's fighting for the cause of inequality, not just shut everything down? I think that is less of a benefit of shutting everything down than to continue playing and able to allow those guys, like you mentioned, to provide for their family, but guys like him who don't necessarily need the salary, you know, let's reinvest into this movement that you stand for. And like I agree with you, again, it's no time for being divided here. If we decided that we're going to play, we're going to play. And we're going to find another way that we can collectively spark change. So I think that, you know, Kyrie, I mean, I don't, you know, Kyrie sounds like a very smart guy when you hear him talk. He's very articulate. But, I mean, some things that he just, you know, some of his thoughts are kind of, I don't want to say, I mean, they're just kind of all over the place to me. And and then when you add on, you know, which we're going to get to in a, in a minute about Kendrick Perkins saying that when it was told to him that he wouldn't be released to go to the bubble in Orlando, that's when he stood up and said, let's shut everything down. You know, but it, as far as when it was, when, you know, he said he was going to go down and support his teammates, then he was all for the startup. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't think Kendrick Perkins has any reason to lie, but again, it's just, you know, we gotta, we gotta stick together in this thing, man. We're too close to, we, we finally got the world's attention. We have to be careful what position we're in and we have to continue to do things to support change. Yeah, man, I, I think you nailed it. I think you absolutely nailed it. You know, and I, like you said, all those rumors out there about, you know, him kind of switching sizes, you know, we don't know, but it is kind of interesting. I mean, you can't, it's hard for you, him, to me, again, in my opinion, it's hard for me to kind of get behind a guy that's not going to even play this year anyway, saying, oh, let's not play, you know, and it has nothing to really, it's kind of hard for me to support that. Now, let's say on the other hand, we have LeBron James come out, which we know LeBron James has everything on the line here. He's an aging player, you know, he's getting up there in age, and he's on the best team in the West right now. And if he came out and he said, okay, no, let's not play, let's go for this movement, then I feel like that'll make more waves. That'll be like, okay, you know, this doesn't seem like a selfish move here. But that's, again, that's my opinion on that. Um, and it's just kind of hard to follow Kyrie when he wasn't going to play anyway. So what are your thoughts on KD calling Kendrick Perkins a sellout? I mean, I, I think Kendrick Perkins and KD, their, their, their bad blood goes back to some other Twitter wars and, you know, things that happen over the internet, you know, and I just think KD is just pretty much trying to back up his player, his, his teammate at this point. So, you know, and it, it's, it's a little different because, you know, KD and Perkins were once teammates. And I think that's why he's calling him a sellout because he was, they shared the same jersey, same locker room and, you know, shared blood, tears and sweat together. You know, so I, I understand why KD called him that, you know, because he's not supportive of the NBA player when he was an NBA player at one point. But again, KD is just backing up Kyrie. That's all he's doing. I don't really take it as a big a big deal at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I see it. I think you got two things working here. Um, I think that Kendrick Perkins is, you know, in a lot of ways trying to create that career in, in, in media. So I think that he does a lot of times tend to put his foot in his mouth. I get what he's trying to say, but uh, he adds the, uh, what's the worst, theatrics to it. 
You know, kind of like Stephen A does, but Stephen A is able to get away with it because Stephen A is a little bit more articulate about it and a little bit more strategic. But a lot of sometimes Stephen A finds his foot in his mouth as well. I don't think that what Kendrick Perkins necessarily said was wrong about Kyrie, but he could have said it in a different way. And I think, like you said, I think KD was just trying to defend his teammate. I don't think it's nothing more or less, but man, I'd rather KD just shut his mouth until he's out of, back out on the floor because I miss watching him play, man. I, the game misses him, man. Oh, absolutely. He was top two, if not one, player in the league, you know, before he got hurt. For sure. So I'm 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 looking forward to Kyrie and KD getting back out there like all of all the back and forth off the court, man. Play ball, let's let's win you know, win some championships, you know. Let let's do this, man. Let's get back into this competition. Um but that that you know, that's those are my thoughts on it, man. Um I, I I don't know if you had some more to say about it. No, no, I think that covered it, bro. Okay, okay. So, in the sports world, what else is there to discuss? Uh, right what's, now, I, I don't think there is. What's on the list? You had a list. No, I mean, I don't think there's much more to discuss right now. I mean, we covered, you know, right now, you know how every sports world, anything that drops at this point in the sports world, it becomes big news because we don't really have any main sports. You know, I know we've been talking a little bit, and every time we see boxing on, we watching anything right now. I love, which I love boxing, and it's been entertaining, but I think I watch more boxing than I've watched in a long time. I don't know if that's because they're putting it on ESPN now or what, but, you know, it's just right now we, we are itching for the NBA to come back. You know, yeah. we're glad. I know I saw that the WNBA is actually going to come back as well. The MLB baseball is gonna actually they're putting together their stuff. So look like we're gonna finally get some sports rolling here in the next month or so. I think this is our last month without sports for a long time because you also got the NFL season, which again, um, I saw some reports coming out there talking about the NBA. The, I'm sorry, the NFL season might have some struggles, you know, starting this season um, because if they don't put their players in the bubble, you know, kind of like a la the NBA then they may have issues and have outbreaks and things like that. I did see the NFL is going to allow teams to carry more players now, more practice squad players, things like that, just in case they do have an outbreak. So that way we can, um, we you know, that way you, you get more opportunities for players and then just in case someone get the virus, you have more players to step up and play for that team. So it's going to be interesting because these rosters are going to be bigger which is going to create, to me, more sleepers if you one of those guys out there playing fantasy football. These players that come out of nowhere, nowhere, you know, a lot of times we see a lot of these players don't get opportunities because they just don't have enough roster spots. So it's going to be it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun fun next few months. Well, you mentioned that. I, 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 think, I think something that has been good to keep an eye on is just how college football teams are starting to try to combat this virus and try to get ready for this season that's supposed to start. And, um, in about three months, and it doesn't look, it's not looking too good, unfortunately. Uh, you know, when you look at Texas, they some of their players have had an outbreak. Um, I'm, I'm not sure the number, I forgot how much, how many players exactly got affected, but I think 13. 13, and then I saw a report today that 30 LSU players are in self quarantine um, because of the virus. So, you know, it, it's, it's getting difficult, man. I, I think every team that has started voluntary workouts has had some type of outbreak. So I'm, I'm hoping, man, me as a college football fan, I'm hoping that they can figure it out. I'm hoping that this thing subsides. But it is a thing to keep an eye out on, man. Uh, you know, it seems like the only convincing 
organization that is is due to start on start on time is, is the is the NBA, and, and initially I thought that the Kyrie the Kyrie thing and players saying it's a distraction, but I mean it's like uh, it's like uh, oh, why well, I can't remember this guy's name. What's his name again? Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly said if LeBron <laughs> wants to play, um, then you know we're gonna play. And I mean he was I guess he was being a little facetious there, but I mean it, it's the truth. You know, LeBron has already spoke about it, and he already said he want to play, and he want to finish that season. So I don't expect any different to happen. I mean, yeah. I mean, the biggest takeaway I take away from this college football and things like that. I know I saw the reports about the LSU people because they was at a nightclub. You know, and this goes to not only sports fans out there or whoever just you know stumbled upon this podcast is wear a mask, man. You know what I'm saying? You're gonna be out doing stuff. Wear a mask. You know what I'm saying? Like we we know we're in a place where, you know, this virus virus is easily uh, you know, transferred to person to person. Wear a mask, you know, be out there, be safe because this thing is still going wild. You know, I know it's not being covered a lot by the media like it was before in the past, but you know, this thing is still running wild and I don't think they're gonna shut down. I mean, you know, who knows what they're gonna do as far as shut down, but you know, they they gonna keep things rolling, even though these cases are going up. Well, you heard it here first. Not only do we know our sports, but you heard from the Surgeon General, Carlos. <laughs> Wear your mask. <laughs> no, nah, but all jokes aside, man. Yeah, protect yourself. Protect the people around you that you love. And, you know, wear your mask if you plan on going out. Um, and just, you know, until this thing blows over, man, you got to take it as seriously as you did in March. You know, just because we're moving into phase two and everything doesn't mean that it just – that things just open up and you can just act like there's not a virus out here. And I think that that's what everybody's letting that guard down. And like you mentioned, Los Tigerland, you know the time when we was in college, the time we spent in Tigerland. Yeah. But, you know, they say that, that that area was hit the hard, was hit very, very hard. And, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to be the one to speculate, nor am I putting this in anybody's mind. I don't know nothing from nothing. So don't say that you heard that I told that people – was in there that I know for sure because I don't know. I don't even live in Baton Rouge anymore. But, you know, you got to speculate. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I wonder how many of those players they had to be self-quarantined was in Tigerland. Right. I mean, I know when I was on campus that a lot of, you know, I would see a lot of football players, you know, there, you know, from time to time. So, you never know, man. You got to just be careful, man. The ones that keep that, uh, take their crap the most seriously. You know, sometimes you can't avoid it, though. You know, getting the virus, I know, but you can't act, you can't get this virus just behaving recklessly, you know. So, yeah, man. So, I think that's about it, man. Let's go ahead and uh, bring in on this guest, man. Uh, I think that everybody's excited to hear. Um, I think that he's a really smart guy. I'm really looking forward to having a conversation with him. Uh, I've had the privilege of knowing him for actually a couple years. You know, here and there we run across each other and. Uh, he said that he would, you know, record the podcast with me on the episode. And this was like a year ago. And, you know, here we are. We finally, we finally getting it done. So we appreciate him for doing this. So, Lois, if you want to do the countdown. Yeah, man, we, we got, you know, very, like you said, very special guest. Somebody that uh, really did some special things for us. <laughs> so the next voice you will hear is us having a conversation with the guests that we have today. Peace.
So we got a very, very special guest on the Peanut Adventure Woman's podcast. Somebody I've been privileged to know for a few years now. We got former LSU player, current assistant coach for the New Orleans Pelicans, Darnell Lazare, on the show. Man, we we are so gracious that you even took time out of your schedule to come on, man. How you been? I've been well, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. Yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. So, I mean, I, we're not going to hold you long, man. We just want to, I guess, you know, for the listeners, I know a lot of people do know you because you was a part of that 05-06 that went to the Final Four, uh, brought up the morality of the, of the city. You know, prior to y'all's team, LSU basketball was pretty much an afterthought to football. So, I mean, you could go ahead and let the people know and just kind of introduce yourself, kind of give your, your career path and how basketball has treated you so far in your life. Oh, well, you know, I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I went to World Long High, uh, and I was fortunate enough to be on some good high school teams. We won state by junior and senior year. And to your point at the time, LSU was still under probation from a basketball standpoint. So they couldn't really go out and recruit the way that they that, that most teams could. But uh, they were slowly turning around with College Temple and Ronald Dupree, Torres Bright and that group. And uh, in the city, myself, Garrett, Torres, Glenn, Tasman, Matthew Burrow, uh, we had Brandon Bass, we all played on the same AAU team. Uh, mm. And people had always kind of mentioned that if we stuck together, they thought we could do something special if we all went to LSU. Uh, what special meant, I, I don't think anybody knew, but you know, we ended up all going to LSU and it kind of worked out the way people envisioned it in the sense that we were able to go to the Final Four. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I know as a kid at the time, I was very young, but I know I remember me and my father sitting on the couch watching you guys, and I don't know the feeling that y'all gave just Baton Rouge as a whole, just as a collective basketball team. Like, you you named some big, huge names. Uh, you, you know, even Ronald Dupree, you know, like we looked up to him, you know, and, and Carlos Temple from, from then on, and you guys really just set a, a precedent of, of LSU basketball. Y'all left y'all mark and made history, and even though y'all fell short, you know, it's still, what y'all accomplished, it's, has, it still hasn't been, you know, it hasn't been surpassed yet. So, so what, what do you what do you think the, the state of LSU basketball is right now? And do you think that it's headed in the right direction? I think so. You know, since, since I graduated in 07, I think they've had, you know, Johnny Jones came. Well, Trent Johnson came, then Johnny came. Now Will Wade is there. I think all those coaches who've had stops at LSU, done some good things in their own regard. Uh, I think that Will Wade is kind of bringing basketball enthusiasm back to the city, being that he came from VCU, which is a basketball school. I think having Tasman on the staff uh, is a good connector in terms of keeping the community involved and the community seeing someone that kind of grew up in the city of Baton Rouge on the sideline. And they've done a good, they've done a good job of getting local talent, like they had Skyler, Brandon Sampson, Javante, they just got the young kid from Walker. So I think Will's doing some good things. You know, uh, obviously in his first two seasons, he won the SEC one year, or three seasons, I believe. He won the SEC last year. They want to make the tournament again this year. So I think they're just going to keep building. I mean, I see like Shaq Sanders coming this season coming up. Uh, they have a couple other good recruits that signed. So the future's bright. 
Yeah, you can definitely see, like, you know, they're starting to get those those recruits now. You know, like you mentioned before, you guys were on probation, you know, and now you can just kind of see you guys are starting to get those, those big-name guys and, you know, more moving in, in towards the recruiting game. So I'm looking forward to the season. Me too, me too. I'm looking forward to it as well, you know. Uh, I think we have some good talent in the state of Louisiana, specifically in Baton Rouge. Uh, I'm going to be biased and say that, talent in Baton Rouge when I played in high school was really probably at an all-time high. But, uh, <laughs> they, they, still, they still do have some talent in the cities, and it's good to see those kids want to stay home so family can support them and uh, try to make an impact in the community. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, Darnell, you, you're, you're a young man. They got players in the league that are your age, man. Right. But you, you find yourself being an effective young coach in this league. How do you do? You feel like that's an advantage for you to be able to connect with the young players, or how do you feel as though what's your niche as far as connecting to players? And do you feel like your youth is a strength in it? Most definitely. Uh, to your point, my first year coaching uh, when I was in the G League, some of the guys that I had to coach, I had just played summer league with some of them. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so that was that was kind of awkward at first to go from you know being boys with these guys to now. I'm a coach, but uh, I got over that part quick, and, and fortunate enough, I was with a good group of kids where they were receptive to coaching. We had a previous relationship dating back to summer league and whatnot, and it just kind of took off from there. But to your point, I think being that I am young and coaching, I can relate to the players uh, on levels outside of basketball, socially, you know, culturally, uh, and a lot of times that that will break the ice in terms of those players letting you in and, and, and those guys having trust in you to coach them and teach them the game in, in, in the right way and know that you have their best interest apart. And and previously you was in Memphis, right? So you were yeah, so in Memphis the previous four years. So, so you, you got you got an opportunity to, to see the likes of like uh John Morant and, and uh Do- John was coming in as I was leaving and he had just had like a minor knee surgery so he wasn't working out when I was there, but I did get a chance to kind of meet him mm-hmm. and uh, talk to him a, a little bit. Yeah, and uh, I think that now, you know, more than ever, the reason why I brought that up because, you know, you got Zion there in New Orleans now, uh, a young superstar in the league. And being that you was a former forward yourself, you probably have to spend a lot of time with him and uh, trying to develop his skills, kind of giving him insight. Then you got uh, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo, you know, you gotta, y'all have a very, very young core. So I think that a lot of what you, I could have, you know, imagine that a lot of what your role would be is to try to kind of groom these guys. Um, do you feel as though, do you feel like that young core is, is a core of the future? Oh, definitely. I mean, like you said, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo, Zion, uh, you know, Josh Hart is still young. Uh, you know, even Drew Holiday, although he's been in the NBA 10 years, he's only 28 or 29 years old. So, Jackson Hayes was, you know, a lot of we pick forwards. Uh, so we have a lot of young guys. Uh, and you're right. A lot of what I do is basically try to get these guys ready to play on game day, whether that's, you know, mentally, emotionally, keep them even killed. Uh, our preparation and practice, pregame, all those type of things. We just want to make sure that come 7 o'clock, they're ready to give their best effort. So let me ask you, Darnell, you know, and I think a lot of listeners want to know this, what does a day in and day out look like you know as a coach you know maybe on the road you know what does your day in and day out look like you know i know you guys are scheduled busy you're focused when the season is in 
all basketball, but how does your day in, day out? Do you have a nap in there? How you know what, what's that look like? Oh, yeah. So so on the road, uh I'll normally wake up, you know, we'll probably have a team meeting or something like that around eight thirty or nine o'clock. So I'll probably wake up seven forty five, hit the weight room myself, get get a half hour of cardio in or something like that, go to the meeting. And then the meeting is probably no longer than twenty minutes. Then after that we'll jump on the bus, head to the arena to have a shoot. Mm-hmm. I think you hit a bad patch there. Yeah. A little bit uh, early in the season, shooting rounds will be more strenuous. They'll be kind of a light practice. But as the season goes on, you know, it's just mostly walking through some sets, getting some shots to getting some treatment if you need. Uh, and then we'll head back to the hotel. We'll have a team brunch. And then after brunch, I'll go back and when I have some video assignments I need to get done leading up to the game or I'm working on some next game, I'll do that for about an hour or so. And then I try to get at least an hour, hour and a half nap. Uh, because if the game is at 7 o'clock, we have an early bus, first bus, and a second bus. So if the game is at 7, Early bus is gonna leave like at three thirty, and I, I go on the early bus. And the early bus is gonna be for those players that are point along in a lot of minutes, especially our young guys. We'll be we'll come we'll come to the facility early or to the arena early, and then we'll play three on three, four on four. If the floor is open, we'll play four on four. Just because we, we want to keep those guys conditioned enough in case there is an injury or there's foul trouble. Now one of these guys have to go and play. You want them to have stamina and just want their body to be really endure stress of playing the NBA game. Uh, and then so come 7 o'clock, we, and then, I'm sorry, rewind. 5.30, we kind of start doing our little 15-minute blocks of play, getting them their shooting times. They'll come out, shoot, warm up. Then 7 o'clock, our work is basically done. The players are going to do that thing. Halftime, we may retouch on those guys, you know, see where they at, see what they see. We tell them what we see. and then. Let them go out and finish the game, and then normally post game, we working on our next opponent. Okay, so that sounds like a strenuous, uh, a strenuous schedule. I mean, you look at the games they check. I mean, eighty-two games. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I played basketball on a small scale. I played AAU, and it was sometimes we would play three games in one day. I know I was shot, I, and I know I ain't no nowhere near level of the NBA, but I, I can only imagine the stress that them guys put their body through. So, uh, and medicine and science has come a long way in terms of how to lift weights, how to eat, how to train. But uh, it is very taxing on those guys, you know, especially the ones that log big minutes. Uh, on average, we probably play once every other day, basically. You know, we'll have a lot of two and three days, four and seven, five and eights, you know, some back to backs. So, uh, you know, guys eating right, resting, you know, us managing the pre practice times how uh, intense we want to go and just trying to be as efficient as possible so they can have the energy to go out and play those 48 minutes. Okay, okay. So uh, kind of just shifting the conversation. We all know, uh, I asked you before we got on here, how's your family? You said everyone is healthy. Uh, thank God for that. And uh, But, you know, we're, doing, we're, we're enduring a pandemic, which I know has proposed challenges as a coach for you in the league and as far as the players. So I just I just want to ask, how do you feel the players have been able to handle this this pandemic? And then on top of that, we've had uh, 
social injustices take place, whether it be George Floyd or Amon and Breonna Taylor and just a lot of social injustices going on. How do you feel like your team has been able to handle it and how has both of those things, the pandemic and those social injustices, have affected you guys? Well, we'll start with the pandemic first, uh, because like kind of right when it hit, you know, we were scheduled to play the day that the league kind of shut down. So um, that was definitely an adjustment. Giving you that routine that I told you guys to have during the season to go from that to not having anything to do with cold turkey for the past two and a half months, or especially that first month when most states were on lockdown, I'm sure it was a challenge for players because they're so used to having a routine and a regiment. Uh, that being said, since things have kind of opened up a little bit, I know guys have gotten back, you know, in, in the weight room with this, or they've gone outside to start conditioning, or, you know, they found a court that's, you know, safe and sanitized where they can start getting some shots back up. So I think guys uh, have definitely started working again in terms of that. Uh, as far as the social injustices go, I mean, that's it's definitely a difficult situation, especially with the pandemic uh, going on. I think for the world and the country to see that, definitely shed a lot of light on that issue that, you know, quite frankly, black folks have been doing for quite some time. Uh, the NBA has always been progressive. I think our players have been progressive in speaking their mind and, you know, wanting to do right in the community and make an impact. And you've seen that if you've been following social media and ESPN, we have some players out there that want to make a change, want to see a change, want to be a, pack, uh, want to be a part of change. And that's no different from our organization. You know, we've had some conversations internally of things that we would like to do to try to help move it forward, if you will. So uh, I think something positive is gonna come of this. I'm optimistic, but uh, we definitely have a road in front of us and a lot of work to do in that regard. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yo, it's Rob here. Hope you enjoyed the first portion of our interview. We ran into some technical difficulties just because Darnell was traveling during the interview. But we got everything straight, so after you hear my voice, you will hear him continue to talk about what the Pelicans plan to do about these social injustices. Hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. We do what we can to make a difference uh, in moving it forward and you know, trying to get people registered to vote and, and stressing the importance of voting and, and just trying to knock down those barriers to what uh, systemic racism is. So uh, we have some things that we're going to try to do here over the next, you know, couple of weeks, months, and years. But, you know, we got a lot of work ahead of us. For sure, man. It's almost like uh, technical difficulties don't happen. But welcome back. We're glad that you rejoined us with it. And uh, like you speaking on the social injustice, in which I plan to do as an organization to combat these inequalities, we appreciate that, you know, because it's people like you who are, have these platforms that are representing us people, they're people very well. So we appreciate that. And, um, you know, that, that, that says, speaks volumes of y'all character as an organization and your character as well. Um, do, so the NBA has restored, kind of like to tie that into it. Uh, recently, you know, more, I guess more famously, Kyrie Irving was one of the guys that stood in the front of the movement of players not restarting that it would become a distraction, you know, to, to the movement of what's going on with George Floyd. Uh, uh, do you share those same sentiments or do you feel like the players are sharing that since you're on the ground with these guys every day? Uh, do, you feel, uh, do you feel like they're sharing that sentiment? I, I haven't heard anyone specifically uh, close in, in my circle, if you will, that have shared those sentiments. Uh, obviously, I did see what Kyrie said. And, and I think 
everyone is going to kind of handle it and go about it in a different type of way. Uh, I think that personally, if you have those, if you have guys come to Orlando and we play, uh, one, I do think, you know, given society sporting events, uh, it's something that society would welcome. But I also think with those 22 teams coming together in one location that, uh, the message is going to be powerful. I think it's going to be strong. Uh, I don't think it would be a distraction because I think you have guys in the NBA that uh, hold that close to them and they want to and they want to make a difference. So I don't think they would let it kind of just slide under the rug, if you will. So I think for those individuals who come down there and decide to play, uh, there's definitely going to be a message, and I think it's going to be heard by the masses. Yeah, so I know right now, you know, they're giving, a, you know, you guys a deadline as far as, you know, who's going to play, uh, who's not going to play. So along those lines, you know, it, it is going to be interesting, you know, with, you know, the season starting back up, with our first, you know, big sporting event starting back up in July 30th. Do you think that the bubble is going to work out there? Um, uh, I think, you know, I'm getting information, you know, there's new information coming out every day. Uh, we haven't yet got the fine tunes and all the information that we need to get as to how it's going to proceed. There's, there are people in our organization who get new information probably every couple hours about what they're trying to do. Uh, from what I've seen, I think the NBA is doing a good job of, for one, just trying to get people playing again. Uh, that being said, it's so many unknown factors out there with COVID, and the bubble, and you know how it can be transmitted versus how it can't. Uh, and I think they're doing everything that they can to try to keep everyone safe. Uh, but each day that goes, I think they're learning something new. Uh, so until then, I think you're going to always see new information come out and new things come out. Uh, but I think they're doing the best that they can to try to keep them as safe as possible. Okay, so uh, what are some things you're looking forward to the restart, man? Uh you're getting started with July 29th. So, what well, I know y'all doing pre-camp stuff before then, but the season started. What you looking forward to with with? I mean, just getting back around the guys. You know, we kind of been away each other, been away from each other for about three months now, which is normally, I mean, in regular season or in a normal situation pre-pandemic, you you wouldn't be around, you wouldn't be away from the guys that long. Mm. You know what I mean? You may be gone for like three weeks, and then you may put your hands on the young guys and go see and see them in the gym or you may go out and visit some of the bad guys wherever they at. Uh, but to say not be around guys for three months, that's kind of, that's never happened before in our league in a long time. So I'm just looking forward to getting back around the guys and then just touching the ball again and coaching and teaching. And I've had a lot of downtime where I've been able to kind of rewatch our games and see some of the things we did well, see some things that we can do better uh, from both the team standpoint and the individual standpoint. So uh, just some of the notes that I've taken and some of the film that I've cut up over the past couple of months, just sharing that with those guys, getting back, just basically getting back in the foxhole with those guys. You know, that's part of the beauty of coaching, at least for me, considering that I'm so young and, and not far removed from playing. Uh, you, you're on the ground floor with them, you feel what I'm saying? So you feel like you're part of, you're part of the battle, you're part of the war, if you will, with those guys. Again, we got Darnell Lazare, assistant head coach for the New Orleans Pelicans, on the show. So, I'm going to let my fandom come out, man. Uh, 
me, the the squad, including Ramon and Carlos, we're a hardcore Lakers fan. We've been Lakers. That's that's what really connected us. And I I, I remember when Bi came into the league, Lonzo, and even Josh Hart. We would tell like like our peers like how good these guys are. Like I don't think people understood like how special Bi. Like him being an All Star didn't surprise us this year. Um. Y'all basically took our young core, and y'all got something special brewing down in New Orleans, man. And, I, I mean, you're being modest, but I'm going to say it for you. Y'all are in prime position to make the playoffs this year, man. And uh, this restart is, uh, y'all, I think y'all sitting at 10 right now. What, what like two and a half games back from uh, eight? Two, two or three, because Memphis is eight. Uh, Portland may be nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or... Portland might be nine, we're ten, and I think San Antonio, Sac, and Phoenix, that all three of those teams may be tied, but they might be a couple games behind us. But uh, we do have the tie break on Portland. Right, and y'all are in prime y'all are in prime position. I was looking at the NBA standings to really uh take advantage of that that eighth, ninth seed uh will play each other. Uh, to, to get into the playoffs, I think that they say the ninth seed has to win twice and the eighth seed only has to win once. So, I mean, I can't speak enough about the young core, but I you you actually see these guys every day in the work that they put in. Can you just speak on speak to y'all young core and what does that mean towards the future of y'all organization? Uh, uh, yeah, so let's start with the three guys from the Lakers, right, you know, first since you brought those guys up. Uh, obviously, I think fans saw what Lonzo did at his time at UCLA. And, you know, when he got to the NBA, he kind of been uh, nagged by a couple of injuries. What he brings to the table is a certain level of unselfishness. Uh, likes to advance the ball with the pass. Uh, yeah. To those people who don't really know what that means, it's like he's not a dribble, 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 dribble guy. If he looks up, if he look up and see somebody open, the ball's gone inside of his hand. Uh, and he's been able to connect on some impressive lob design in that regard. Three quarter court, half court. I mean, the ball is gone. Uh, so that unselfishness permeates throughout the team uh, because he's so willing to move it. The ball will move, you know what I mean? The ball will move. And uh, so so he's gifted in that regard. Uh, his shooting has come up substantially since he's been with us. For sure. Uh, a, lot of teams, a lot of teams go under his screens, and he's been able to make defenses pay and be able to knock down some shots and some big shots for us. Uh, moving along with Josh Hart, you know, obviously a winner, won a championship at the college level. Uh, so, you know, he's been in some tough games and made big plays when it mattered. And he's a guy who can defend kind of, you know, blue-collar guy, can really rebound from that wing position. Uh, very good finisher, especially in the open court. Again, he's someone that if you dare him or you, you, you know, you leave him open, he can knock down shots. Uh, but he's a guy who's going to, you know, get his nose dirty, you know, dive on the floor, get loose balls, get 50-50 balls, and you need that. You need a person like that to uh, help your team go. And then going over to Brandon, like you said, was able to make an all-star team, and, and that kid there is just highly talented. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Not anything that he can't do. First off, physically, I mean, 6'9", long arms, uh, can play all positions on the floor. I mean, we could play him at point guard because he can really pass. I think people don't really understand how well he can pass. Uh, he can finish at a high level, uh, and he's another one who, during his time in LA, he didn't shoot a lot of threes. You know, one of the knocks on him, if you will, is that he shot a lot of twos. 
although he shot close to 50%. Uh, now he's extended his range and he's shooting. He shot a lot more threes with us than he did when he was in L.A. And that, that only makes him more of a threat. So now, you know, you kind of got to crowd him. You got to be up on him. And if you're up, he's skilled enough and can handle it. He can get by you and finish. So, I mean, he's very, very talented. And then, obviously, you know, looking at what Zion is, you know, coming, coming from Duke, uh, he's a guy who, again, I, I think of, I think of, you know, of, 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 if you mix kind of Blake Griffin and Draymond together in terms of how those guys play power forward position, meaning he can handle the basketball, he can get a rebound and push it 94 feet, very, very good finisher. You know, people might think that he just dumped basketballs, but he can really finish around the rim. Great touch. Uh, can see the floor. His processor, his mental processor of surveying and seeing what the right play to make is, is very very good for a kid that's 19 years old. Uh, and he just kind of has that impact. You know, as you, you know, as I'm sure you guys saw when he came back to the lineup, they gave us a, a big jump. Uh, the things he did in the preseason, you know, he was on his way to, you know, doing some special things. And I think even when he came back from his injury, he'd done a lot of special things for us. And I think you kind of see he's just scratching the surface. And then obviously we have Jackson Hayes, who's a tremendous athlete. You know, at seven foot, he can really move. Uh, can stay in front of a lot of people, guards, uh, can get off the floor, run. I mean, he was a football player growing up, and I think he played wide receiver. So just to imagine that type of fluidity with a guy that's seven foot is kind of what you're getting with him. And then we had Nikhil Walker out of Virginia Tech, who was another guard who was, you know, gritty, uh, can really shoot the basketball, uh, you know, still finding his way in terms of how to finish over late because it's different from college, but work ethic is tremendous. Uh, wants to be good, wants to play both sides of the ball. So when you have players like that, man, you know, you give yourself opportunity every night. So to your point, uh, I think our future is bright and it's going to be a lot of fun working with these guys uh, moving forward. Yeah, so um, I'll ask you this, uh, Darnell, you know, we'll let you get out of here. You know, we have a lot of listeners, you know, and ex-players and things like that, uh, high school players that, you know, you know, look at you and probably like, man, probably want to be like you and do things that you've done in your career. You know, I saw that you did a lot of traveling in your career. You played overseas, things like that. You know, what would be your advice to these, you know, uh, expiring uh, coaches? You know, people want to get their foot in the coaching business. And, uh, you know, coach, what would be your advice to, to them to, to ultimately do that one day? The first thing I would say is that when you plan, be professional. You know what I mean? Because that's the first thing that former, that coaches or other organizations, that's what they're going to go off of. Because think about it as a player, you know, you don't have the experience. Like you, you're not in the video room, you're not coaching, but you, the product is I'm a player. So the first impact you can make upon first impression is be professional. Meaning I'm going to come to practice every day. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to be on time. Uh, you know, I'm not going to be a distraction. I'm not saying you have to, you know, uh, be a teacher's pet, if you will, and not enjoy yourself. I mean, but be professional. I think that's the first thing you can do. Uh, and make relationships along the way. Every stop you make, make relationships. Treat people with respect. You know, people need to treat you with respect, but treat people with respect because you never know who you're going to meet. Uh, for me, personally, how I kind of got into coaching uh, was I was in training camp with the Memphis Grizzlies. You know, and I didn't make the final roster spot. 
I was getting ready to go back overseas, and, and, and my phone rang, and it's the general manager for, for the Memphis Grizzlies asking me uh, if I would be interested in a player development position with their G League team. Uh, now, obviously, it was a decision I had to make to stop playing to get into coaching, but for me, I had to ask myself, uh, when is the next time a general manager is going to call my phone and give me that type of opportunity? Because the hardest part is to get in. You know what I mean? That's the hardest part, to get in. Uh, unlike playing, you can always make a case for yourself playing by just going out and performing. So you control your destiny, so to speak. You, you got to have a little bit of luck, but you can, some, you can somewhat control your destiny because if you play and you produce, it's a spot for you somewhere in the world. Coaching is not quite like that. You know, you have to be given an opportunity by somebody. And a lot of times those opportunities come from relationships, whether you have a direct relationship with someone or someone you know has a relationship with someone else. You know, but if I, if I have a relationship with you and you want to get into coaching, you know, if I'm gonna put my name on the line, I need to know that you putting you're gonna be professional. You know what I mean? And that's just kind of how the business works. So to anyone that wanna get into coaching, I, mean, I would say be professional while you're playing. You know what I mean? Make a good impression, make relationships, step outside of your comfort zone and do things that you're not comfortable doing. Uh, you know, be an icebreaker. Don't rely on people to come talk to you. Uh, socialize with your teammates, socialize with the managers, the ball boys, all that. You never know where, where these people are going to go. A lot of times, these people that are coaching, they started somewhere. They started in the equipment room. They started as a ball boy. They started in the video room. They have relationships, so they have a head start on them, so to speak, in terms of those relationships. You know what I mean? And then once you do get into coaching, understand that you're not a player anymore. The hours are a lot longer. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're playing, you know, when I play, I'm waking up in the morning, I'm get up two-hour workout in, I can nap, I'm going to place a pickup, uh, I may get another nap, or I'm going to get an individual workout in. When you're coaching, you know, the job don't stop because you got to be prepared. you got to watch film. you got to be able to tell players what you want them to do and why you want them to do it. The only way to get to the why is to really study the film, really pay attention to the details. You know what I mean? So when you're coaching, you got to understand that it's going to be some early mornings, it's going to be some late nights. And it's part of the grind, you know what I mean? Especially as a former player. Former players tend to get a bad reputation because they say we lazy, we don't want to work. Uh, because you're just not, you know, as a player, you're not used to those type of hours, you know what I mean? Like I told you, you know, what our routine is for the role, it's not the same for players as a coach. You know, my day starts at 7.30, and my night won't end until playing land when we get back home. Like, even when we get on the plane after the game, and my computer's open, I'm watching film, I'm breaking the game down. I'm watching our players so I can give them some feedback on what they did well, what they didn't do well. Whereas when the game is over, most players, they decompress it. You know what I mean? They ice in the knees. They're going to get a little something to eat, hit some music, make some calls, may take a nap on the plane, and then they'll still get back at it the next morning. But it's, it's, it's very different when you're coaching. It's a lot, a lot more fast-paced. So you need to be on the toes, and you need to have a plan, and you got to agree your work. It sounds like you, uh, yeah, you putting in the time, man. Like I said, I've, you know, we've been kind of knowing each other for a couple of years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Off and on. I've been been blessed. I've been been blessed and fortunate to meet some people. And I would have never thought that I would have been in this opportunity back when I was at LSU. You know what I mean? Obviously, I love the game of basketball, and it's been great to me. And some of my best friends played. I've met met a lot of people, traveled the world. Uh, 
but to get this opportunity, I mean, I'm truly thankful and blessed to have it, and I just want to make the most of it. So, you know, every day I try to put my best foot forward so I can help those behind me, you know what I mean? Especially, you know, to bring up the social injustices, kind of like what you said. I mean, it's difficult for young black guys to get into the coaching ranks sometimes. You know what I mean? It's not difficult for us to play, but it can be difficult for us to get in the front office. It can be difficult for us to coach. Uh, I, I feel like it's my obligation and my responsibility to do the best that I can uh, to help propel me forward, but to also create an opportunity for somebody else so that when organizations see me, they won't be afraid to give somebody else that look like me an hmm. opportunity. Hey, that's, that's respectable, man. So I guess we, we asked uh, our previous guest this, so I'm going to ask you that because you touched on it. Um, we do see a lack of diversity as far as people that look like us in those higher roles in organizations like the NFL. The NBA is a lot more diverse than the NFL, but it still has a lot. We got a lot, little ways to go. What do you think has to happen for to see more blacks to be in head, head, head uh, coach positions, GM positions? You know, what, what do you think has to happen for that to, for us to see that change? Uh, I, I, I think it's twofold. You know what I mean? I think the first part is we have to be given the opportunity. You know what I mean? We have to be given the opportunity. Again, 80 to 85% of the NBA is African American. You know what I mean? But when you look at the other side, it's only eight black head coaches. It's only eight black GMs. It's only one black owner. Okay? So those percentages change dramatically when you get on the other side. Uh, I just think we have to be given more opportunities. You know, we have to be given the opportunity to be in a position of leadership. And, and some people may fail, some are going to succeed, but those who fail, they still still going to be a lesson learned. And they should get another bite in the apple. You know what I mean? One thing you notice if you look at sports, a lot of times, once you get to a certain level, you pretty much get recycled. You know what I mean? Like, you, you're going to just change teams, you're going to you know, work for a different organization. So, and then the next thing we need to do, you know, as black men is, like kind of alluding to what I said before, is take our craft serious, work on our craft. You know what I mean? Like value the craft, understand what those before us had to sacrifice for us to have an opportunity. And then understand what we need to do to move it forward for those after us. You know what I mean? And to me, it just all goes back on, you know, your character and be a man of integrity, uh, be professional, put your best foot forward at all times. And I think good things will come. You know what I mean? I think, we'll have a chance to be successful. And I think we can do the job. You know, I think there's a lot of us out there that's competent, that have experiences, whether that because they played or because they were in the video room or because they just watched the game and really studied it. There's a lot of people out there that, that can contribute to this game and they just need an opportunity. So hopefully as, you know, we move forward, people will be awarded those opportunities. Yes, sir. Well, Man, we appreciate you, man. That's all I got. Lozess, you got something else for him? No, man. I, like he said, I appreciate you coming on with us, dog. Yeah. You know, hey, man, anytime, anytime. I'd love to do it again at some point. You oh, know, yeah. The season or whatever. For hey, sure. I appreciate it, man. Appreciate y'all giving me an opportunity. Oh, no problem, bro. We appreciate it. We had the difficulties, the technical difficulties. You popped right back on, man. You you a real one for that, man. I appreciate hey, it. Man. And uh, we, yeah, we're going to be we gonna be in contact. For sure, bro. All right, man. Y'all have a good one. All right, man. You too. We live. Wow, what a what a discussion, man. What a great guy. Again, that was Darnell Lazar, former LSU player, current assistant coach for the New Orleans Pelicans. What were some of the high points? What what, what he said to you, Lowe's, that 
kind of resonated. He said so much, so many jewels, gave so much game. But what's the thing that resonated with you the most? I think you know. I think what he said to, what stuck out the most to me was, you know, seizing your opportunity, pretty much. You know, what I'm saying when he said seize your opportunity by being professional. When you get, you know, when you're taking care of business, you know, and networking. You know, he said that in so many words. And then, you know, when you're given an opportunity, work hard. Show that you're worthy of being in that position so people after him can follow. So that kind of stuck with me. It's like, hey, you know, it's all about the relationships you build, you know, and the opportunity that's given. And once you're given that opportunity, take advantage of that opportunity. Don't be lazy. Show that you're going to work hard with it. Put in the time. And sounds like he puts in the time. You know, he understands what it takes to be a good coach. And he, he talks about how he chopped up film and things like that. Just all around sharp, man. You can just tell that, you know, he bought his business. Definitely, bro. Uh, I mean, I think you hit two. The, I think what amazed me the most is how much networking goes into becoming a coach when you asked him that question about being a coach, but also just being professional. And as you can hear him when he came on, how professional he is and how insightful he is. Uh, another thing that I really appreciated about him is that he is standing up for his people. You know, he recognizes that there are inequality in uh, inequalities that's going on in the country right now. And he's using his platform along with his players to take a stand. And I think that's applaudable because, I mean, um, you know, not everyone has a platform and he does. So he's using it in the right way, you know, which means he's a stand up person. Um, we definitely I definitely want to have him back. Oh, I don't know about two lows. You know, he, he mentioned about the, uh, the bubble and, you know, like we mentioned together, uh, the Pelicans are in prime spot to make the playoffs for the first time in, in a, you know, some time, you know. Um, I apologize, Pelicans fans. No, I don't. <laughs> like, I can talk as a Lakers fan. But it's going to be interesting to see how the season ends, you know. But I, I definitely, great interview, uh, great insight that he had. And, uh uh, again, we I know we told you multiple times, but Darnell, we appreciate you for coming on. And uh, you know, whenever you're free, you, you you know it's an open door. Whenever you want to come on, man, and, you know, just let us know the date and time, and you got it. So, um, I mean, I think we we did it again, Los. You know, what, what you got? What you got to get out your chest before we head on out? It's episode sixty, bro. How excited, bro? You know, I will say this. You know, I don't know if you put the plug in, but. Follow us on uh, Instagram, O underscore Bench Warmers. We're at 1,000 followers now, man. I don't know if you missed Say that again. So. Say that one more time. 1K, man. We're at 1,000 followers now. Hold up, hold up. Hold so, up. We, 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 we at what? Hold up. I'm going to round of applause. <laughs> if you can see Carlos' face when I, when I hit the round of Yeah, man, but I'm excited though, bro. We 1,000, you know, we growing, you know, we getting, we getting some big names on our podcast, and you know, keep rocking with us, man. We got, we got, we bring information, you know, we bring things that you know other podcasts simply not bringing. So, and as you can see, you know, if you you can watch this visually on our on our page, you know, Rob rocking rocking the OB hat, you know, and I got the OB shirt on, you know what I'm saying? So. I'm just excited of where, you know, our brand is going. You know, again, just keep rocking with us. Well said, brother. Well said. So, like you heard the man, I'm not going to repeat what he said about our socials. Make sure you do what the man says.
and follow us on the socials that he mentioned as well as make sure that you subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Play, we're on Stitcher. So make sure that you subscribe, leave a review if you feel inclined to, and send that link to a friend. We most graciously appreciate that, and we're going to head on out of here. We appreciate you for listening. We appreciate you for all of the support that you've been giving us, and we out of here.